0: they can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 23rd of April 2013. For newcomers, I would suggest you make good use of the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Lots of audios to download for free where I go through. The big system that was designed a long time ago, the system you're living in presently, and how your grandparents, your parents, and, and yourselves all went through it as they upgrade the system to meet its own demands and its goals, in fact, and you have to go into the private foundation set up by the richest people on the planet over a 100 years ago, and how they, they planned the future, and they brought on academia, but easy to do that, because after all, they get massive grants given by these big foundations to all universities across the world of you, so they can set the curriculum and so on to turn on. Out the next group of world managers, basically, the ones that will change uh, social uh, norms, and social controls, etc., over the, the, the societies that we're, they're working over. So everybody's on board with this at the top, and the bigger your paycheck, the more so it, ha- it seems to be. So I help you see up to the website. Remember, two, you're the audience that bring me to you. You can help me keep going by buying the books and this cutting 3 And in the books, too, I remember I go through the chronology, the art of chronology. Which is now called mind control, of course, in psychology and behaviorism and neuroscience. And uh, chronology is a very, very old science. It's been used for thousands of years by people who caught on to how gullible folk are. And people who are really decent are the most gullible people of all because they, they don't look to be ripped off, etc., or used, manipulated by the, the, the psychopathic types that have always existed. So help yourself to that. Remember, too, you can buy those books from the U.S. to Canada using personal checks or international postal money orders. You can also uh, send cash or use PayPal. And across the world, you have Western Union MoneyGram, and PayPal, and uh, straight donations are seriously welcome as we go through what's called austerity or inflation, which is now called quantitative easing, because it sounds better than inflation. Everything is is neurolinguistics as well, because language is awfully important in controlling the populations. I mean, people spend years studying at special universities just on how to manipulate the public, and in a, a state higher, in fact, on a level higher than just marketers, near good enough marketers the old Bernays-type systems, and uh, but the ones above it are awfully good, and it's very very important to understand we work much like computers do. And uh, a computer has its language, and the programmer will know its language, and, of course, it, it knows its logic and how it's programmed. So you can quite easily determine what it wants the conclusions to come to, much like the special computers they make for global warming always give them the answers that they want. Quite simple. So we are much the same, as I say, as a computer. So the only thing is today, there's a massive, massive business in controlling the populations through marketing and and ideas. Memes, themes, and so on. And unfortunately, the public go for all of it. The last thing you want to do is to admit to yourself you're being used. The last thing you want to do is to (laughs) believe your governments are actually using all these techniques on you all the time. And you don't want to imagine either that you've been brainwash through your schooling that actually helps set you just, just like a computer so that your logic will not be used down the road you believe what you're told by experts and of course logic and reason are not taught in the general schools across the planet today they're still taught in the higher ones of course because those guys must go in to the big jobs where they're still using it upon you but as I say the foundations Uh, set up themselves to be a parallel government that would really run uh, the the system while while the public were taught they had something called democracy and of course management is a big, big part of this population management social management of all kinds uh, in order to serve the ones at the top for the greater good back with more after this break Hi, folks. I'm back cutting through the matrix, talking about the big system, of course, because what else is there to talk about after all? And we uh, get all our mainstream media through the big authorised boys at the top. They know how far to go in any story. They know what story is not conventional at all. And uh, we are truly are controlled. And as we go into this anti terrorism thing deeper and deeper and deeper, it's showing us the, the way of the future. That uh, really you'll get a lot of trivia from now on. And you get disauthorized handouts from government departments. So That's already happening, in fact, because most newspapers, they don't have many reporters on them at all. they're so glad to get handouts from corporations that are really putting ads in the paper and handouts from the military even and from different departments of governments and that's where it was meant to go a long time ago because say, they're all Institute for International Affairs that set up the foundation systems across the world and still runs many of them and they also run the media, all their members uh, top members that belong to the media all the big international corporations and all kinds of corporations belong to the organization. And you find, if you go through it, you'll find the same listings of the top uh, one corporations that belong to IBM that also belong to the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council and Foreign Relations. So they wanted a world, as I say before. I've said many times, that actually, that they wanted a world where there was three main trading blocks And, of course, Europe was to be the first one. And, uh, and that was a mandate, actually, that was made by even Eisenhower towards the end of World War II. And uh, Truman, of course, was the first guy to put it forth, the Eisenhower to it up too. They wanted Europe to be completely united. And, of course, that falls in with Karl Marx's agenda a long time before that when he mentioned the same thing. The first trading bloc would be a united Europe, second United Americas, and also the third one would be a far eastern Pacific Rim conglomerate, including China. So they're well on their way, and that was written over 100 years ago by the groups that formed the Royal Institute of International Affairs. We really are well-managed today, well-managed. When you look into the countless, uh, continuous uh, outpouring from neuroscience magazines, for instance, behaviorists' magazines, psychology magazines, to do with mass mind control, it's just overwhelming. You can't keep up with the stuff. And they're churning out so many different uh, people to, every year to work within government departments and all related government departments and private corporations that work with governments all the time, all to manage all of us. And they came up they came up with all the new, the new normals that we hear of that we're told to adapt to, whether you like it or not, or even if it offends you, you're supposed to adapt to them as well because they, they decide on the agendas. And folk do. Get that rather quickly. Now, before we get lost in all this stuff, too, I want to mention that Katerina Joleva. remember, I mentioned her before in Utah, where her son was taken by the the, the children's societies so, there uh, under a fake charge that was disproven in, in court, actually went to court eventually, the real court, not all the pre-trial courts. And she eventually won her case, but, of course, she's still appealing it to the other side, that is. But also, she's talking about... Um, the things that are happening to other people's children in Utah especially, but it's happening across the country. Uh, there's lots of uh, alternative newspapers in Britain that are stacked with uh, the, the state kidnapping of children today. It's a big business, but it ties in with Bertrand Russell and the things that he advocated to a long time ago, and he worked with the world's organizations that existed back in the mid-20th century. But it says here, An activist post, Brandon Turbeville, has been documenting the harrowing case of Katerina Jaleva, who was separated from her son through the Utah family court system. Through the tenacity of Katerina and the support of Brandon, an activist everywhere, she survived her lengthy custody battle and is waiting to be reunited with her son any day now, which is supposed to get her son given back. Her battle is far from over, however, as she awaits the final outcome of her own case, she's asking others who've been victimized to come forward, specifically if you have your own case or have any knowledge of cases involving sexual allegations prosecuted by or that were otherwise involved attorney uh Jerry Rainier or of Rainier and Associates of Provo Utah. She'd like to hear if anyone who's known of this company, this organization that has done prosecuting. This is a full scale investigation. On the behalf of many others in that area Please contact Katerina And I'll put her email up And this article up tonight To let you get in touch with her If you hear anything about it Because it's true, it's true enough It's time that so many folk Rather than being scared all the time Got together and put in class action lawsuits And things like that To stop it Because it's a massive business If you look up the grants That are given by the feds To every state in the US for For child abuse Or child kidnapping basically that's what really it was. It's, it's very little abuse. It's more kidnapping. And, you, and really, you, you, any accusation to anyone at all. And they um, come and take your children. And, and you can spend years going through pre-court trials. And, of course, the lawyers love this. All the people involved in the social departments love this stuff because they're just raking money and like you wouldn't believe. And millions and millions and millions of dollars are given every year to every single state in the U.S. Look it up. It's a staggering amount. So it's very, very lucrative. And some of these childs, uh, so-called the ones who rescue the children are, are making a business out of it Incredible business, very lucrative indeed So as I see I'll put this one up tonight For those who want to uh, get in touch with Katerina And perhaps they can go on from there and see what else we can dig up uh, As has been happening to other people Also this article too is quite interesting Because it's interesting that when the Soviet Union was on the go Pravda was the big um, communist tool, basically. The propaganda mouthpiece. Like all media's mouthpieces, it no doesn't matter what country you live in, there's always special mouthpieces. And it used to be a totally Soviet, but now it's going into other areas too. And don't write any side off, even if you don't agree with it. It's good to look at other opinions and how they view things too, because there's a lot of truth in it as well. But it says why Western democracy is mind control and invisible government, it says. And then it gives you a quote from Benjamin Disraeli. This says the world is governed by very different percentages from what is imagined by those who are not behind the scenes. That's from one of his books he wrote. It says the more Western democracy wants to establish democracy in the world, the more it works undemocratically, whether in Tripoli, Brussels, or in Washington. It is very hard nowadays to resist this impeccable and humanitarian propaganda. This is why we must seize the origins of this dark strength. Let's go back to the twenties of last century, we're facing the fascination, uh, fascinating confrontation of Western propaganda, Bolshevist propaganda, fascist, Ku Klux Klan, or Nazi propaganda, and everywhere capitalism is trying to sell its products and stuff. This is 1928. Edward Bernays, I've mentioned so many times, a parent of, uh, he was a, he's, he was actually a nephew of Sigmund Freud, publishes a, a famous book about modern propaganda and advertising, which synthesizes the advancements of modern mind control after a terrible world war uh, and a uh, decennial of technical improvement and modern art of conditioning the masses through radio, movies and press. Now Bernays was involved, by the way, in setting up the organization that put out the propaganda to get America into World War I. What was even more staggering was he admitted it afterwards that most of what they put out were lies, simply to get American mindset on board with it. And they actually published that in all the major mainstream media at the time. This is basically Bernays states that days of democracy are over if they've happened once. So you get one, one little shot of it. Everything is linked to science, manipulation, mind control, and invisible wire pullers when it comes to politics. And that's what Bernays said. He says the, the front men are really unimportant unless they're good actors, believable actors. Because all you get is a PR image projected to you of the guy they put in front. It's all nonsense made up by PR specialists. But the guys behind it are the, that's what Bernays called them, really hold the power of the invisible wire pullers. And these are the guys who do the marketing and so on. He says this is also what had uh, predicted Moses Ostrogorsky, a Russian researcher and shrewd observer of American political parties at the end of the 19th century. This expression of wire puller has been popularized later in front of incomprehensive masses, that was the unthinking masses, by a famous movie and book called The Godfather, which misled folk into thinking that the biggest mafia in the US was actually from Italy, but it wasn't. Anyway, I just added that on. The masses of consumers, voters or travellers never do what they want, they just do what they are told to do. And it says, read this sentence, for instance, There are visible rulers, invisible rulers, who control the destinies of millions. It's not generally realised to what extent the words and actions of our most influential public men are dictated by shrewd persons operating behind the scenes. And again, you into the guys who really deal with this closest to the front men, presidents and prime ministers, and the closest ones are their advisors. They get special education at special uh, closed-door universities, you might say. Reading again this book has amazed me since it's a, a work written in a rather cynical, provocative, and controversial tone. Bernays could not write such stuff nowadays, for we are maybe in more totalitarian times, which mean more sophisticated, satisfied and blinded times. He could be labelled a conspiracy theorist. Those who are behind the scenes have dubbed here the manipulators of symbols, the deciders, the technocrats sometimes. Bernays writes in his clerical style, and he says this, as civilization has become more complex, and as the need for invisible government has been increasingly demonstrated... The technical means have been invented and developed by which opinion may be regimented. That was back in the twenties, 1920s. And he worked his whole life. He died at 103, I believe. And he worked with many, many U.S. presidents, even to get them into different subsequent wars. It says the citizen of tomorrow needs to be standardized as much as possible. The system was established first in America. And it's true enough, the the standardization of American culture was a big thing with Bernays. And also getting the feminists on the go True under the guise of marketing special things to them No kidding This system was established first in America Then in Western Europe Then with the fall of the wall everywhere else The last resistant countries Some Muslim nations have been recently destroyed Pulverized indeed This is because we must conform And I've said many times before We've got to standardize countries under the one system Central private bank uh, owing money to the international monetary fund And it says for some ethical teacher Be it a minister or a favourite Essayist or merely prevailing Opinion we accept a standardised Code of social conduct to which We conform most of the time Back with more on this after This break We're back, cutting through the matrix, talking about this article where Pravda touches on Bernays who helped to shape the modern society, especially consumer society, and working using unconscious ideas, this big energy, this subconscious energy that's always floating inside people. They can't verbalize for themselves what's wrong with them or what they want. So the the guys at the top tell you uh, this is what you want. It's a brand new big car or something. And, of course, the idea is this is going to make you happy. And it doesn't really uh, just bring you more debt, generally. But the fact is uh, they can use this technique to sell you anything at all on the guise of making you happy. All I- look at all items, even toothbrushes. You'll see some woman uh, having an orgasmic smile and, and just cheering for a new toothbrush. I mean, rubbish. It's all rubbish, of course. But that's what works on you. You think it's childish, but you don't realize it's actually affecting you. You're associating with ultra-happiness with that toothbrush. Very simple. And also, too, as I said, that um, Bernays said this, for some ethical teacher, be it a minister of favorite essayist or merely prevailing opinion, we accept a standardized code of social conduct to which we conform most of the time. He also said this, the extraordinary growing and sane standardization of stores, offices, streets, hotels, clothes, and newspapers throughout the United States. And because that was part of it too, to standardize everything. It says this is basically what utters with uh, what utters with some imprudence and arrogance. Bernays in his book, A Good Reader of Babbitt, the masterwork of Upton Sinclair, denouncing the standardized bourgeois citizen of America. Bernays sees in America the laboratory of the future to create the mixed-up, robotic, and standardized citizen of the One World Republic. And actually, even with that, you can tie in that incredible uh, spreads from the Daily Mail newspaper on Boston. At the end, it was like something, it was like clips out of a movie, professionally done, and all the rest of it with the big heroes at the end and their brand new black humbies as the folks celebrated martial law. Really? And it also said this too. As he well, said, there's consequently a vast and continuous effort going on to capture our minds in the interest of some policy or commodity or idea. And actually it's gone further than that now because we're so easily upgraded with our standardization, with new normals and new political correct things. What to, what to not be offended with anymore even if not offended you yesterday? And so on and so on. And it says all this stuff basically serves one purpose like the Bible when the psalmist and Job are comparing themselves to the bird captured by the fowler, which is ensnarement of the mind. Politicians are mere products like soap and pasta. Even war is a product and really, really is, folks. You can sell with some propaganda salsa. To create a war against Syria is not more complicated than to create a war against Germany a century ago, writes Bernays. It says, um, the manipulators of patriotic opinion made use of the mental cliches as the emotional habits of the public to produce mass reactions against the alleged atrocities, the terror and the tyranny of the enemy. I'll read that again. The manipulators of patriotic opinion made use of the mental cliches. Remember what Lenin said too? He says, we shall, we shall win by the use of slogans, because they embed in your head, and then you part them off automatically. And those, two who help manipulate their own causes use these terms to anti-this, anti-that, or your whatever. You see, they give you a name and that's it. Everyone is conditioned to react to it the proper way by the conditioners. And uh, it says, And Bernays does not believe that universal literacy can create a freer man. On the contrary, the well-informed citizen is a more manipulated... Remember, too, what um, Jacques Ellul said, the philosopher... He said that uh, the, the more education you get, the more easily it is to condition you simply with propaganda from then on after you leave. Uh, also, I think as I've read here too, and studies at universities and post-universities show that those who go into the middle classes and go to the little drinky poo clubs where they stand and chat and uh, eat and eye each other's wives and so on, uh, they, they, they generally are much more, they, they all read the same books. Why are you reading? I'm reading so-and-so and they're all reading so-and-so because the book of the month club type of thing. They're very standardized and very much upgraded very quickly. So instead of a mind, universal literacy has given him rubber stamps. Rubber stamps inked with advertising slogans, with the editorials, with published scientific data, with the trivialities of the tabloids and the platitudes of history, but quite innocent of original thought. We should now promote a non-reader citizen. It would be a victim of manipulators of images and symbols carried on his cellular phone, that omnipresent companion and transmitter of alienation. John Pilger, remember I read the article recently on air, and he talked about uh, the same kind of thing, the, the digital tyranny, he called it. And it says, in politics, too, Bernays sees no reasons to be more romantic. Ever since then, we've agreed for the sake of simplicity and practicality that party machines should narrow down the field of choice to two candidates, or at most three or four. The modern world is such divided between the hidden elite of, uh, of manipulators and a big mass of manipulated and happy-to-be-so people. A lot of folk love this socialism indoctrination. You don't have to think about anything. Here's the new normal. adapt to it, it, and as long as they say that, they're all accepted with their peer group. So it says, people are herd victim of the global mind control. But clearly it is the intelligent minorities which need to make use of propaganda continuously and systematically, and the act of proselytizing minorities in whom selfish interests and public interests coincide lie the progress and development of America. America's going down the tube with special interests. And they get heavily funded by the government. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix, I'm reading an article that mentions Bernays, uh, who was well ahead. It wasn't from his uncle Freud either. He was well ahead by much, much older characters who studied humanity rather secretly and on special secret organizations, actually. But anyway, it says here, but clearly it's the intelligent minorities which need to make use of propaganda continuously and systematically. In the act of proselytizing minorities in whom selfish interests and public interests coincide lie the progress and development of America. So I've said today, special interest groups are actually foisted on the public to alter all that was to bring in the new standardized system today of political correctness. Never mind the money they get flowed into them too. It's a great business. So we do know how cruel and irresponsible these active proselytizing elites can be nowadays. In order to be realistic and not only pessimistic, Bernays adds that humanity is a gregarious species. That's awfully important. Most folk are very gregarious. They'll have to mean crowds now, the modern man especially. And that modern science, this great liberator of our superstitions, has thus described our brain. And this was prior to psychoanalysis founded by Uncle Freud. It says this assumed that the human mind was merely an individual machine, a system of nerves and nerve centers reacting with mechanical regularity to stimuli like a helpless, well less uh, willless automaton. It was a special pleader's function to provide the stimulus which would cause the desired reaction in the individual pur- purchaser. And of course now it's called neuroscience and behaviorism and they really are light years ahead of all this stuff too, by using a lot of that old stuff as well. And it ends here, Thanks to God to save us from modern science and propaganda, we have the Psalms. It says, Our souls escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we are escaped. Well, that would be awfully nice, wouldn't it? But it's it's quite a job these days. And also this article here, it says here almost 30 years ago, cultural critic Neil Postman arguing, or argued in Amusing Ourselves to Death, that television's gradual replacement of the printing press has created a dumbed down culture driven by mindless entertainment. In this context, Postman claimed that Aldo Huxley's Brave New World correctly foresaw our dystopian future, as opposed to George Orwell's 1984. Contrary to Postman's critique, however, the principles of newspeak and doublethink dominate modern political discourse. Their widespread use is a testament to Orwell's profound insight into how language can be manipulated to restrict human thought And actually it is, Pavlov knew it too He knew that if you create something and build up a massive hatred towards a particular thing, an object or a symbol You could instill for generations the hate on an entire people, a whole nation if need be, that's been done and it says, war is peace. This is formulating the language of perpetual war. Now, I read the article from the military magazine uh, over and over quite a few years. but actually went through this coming perpetual war, which we're now in. It's perpetual war. And it says, from AUMF to Associates of Associates. The semantic deception began shortly after September 11, 2001. And Bush said this, our war on terror begins with al-Qaeda. And his, his State of the Union address But it does not end there It will not end until every terrorist group of global reach Has been found, stopped and defeated That's what he said and he was to say The defining feature of this rhetoric As it declares war on a particular method of violence Used by disaffected states or groups In fact the phrase war on terror functions As what semiotics call a floating signifier That's the term you use for this kind of phrase a neuroscience, a floating signifier. A term devoid of any real meaning and thus open to any interpretation. Numbers in you can spread it onto the next target, the next target. Terrorism has no shape, mass or boundary. It is an abstraction. A tactic of asymmetrical warfare used to achieve political goals. This is imagine if Franklin D. Roosevelt had declared war on surprise attacks in the wake of Pearl Harbor or if Lyndon Johnson had vowed to defeat guerrilla warfare in Vietnam. This linguistic construct therefore ensures an open-ended conflict with no conceivable end, and that's exactly why it was called that, because it's going to be war and this war and that. And during its all going in physical hard wars, you've got you've got, um, you've got new normals getting introduced at home that you better parrot off like a parrot and believe it and say it, just like 1984, or you'll be in, in, slammed in prison for saying something that's now not not acceptable. Unperturbed by this paradox, British Prime Minister Tony Blair dutifully reiterated that the fact is we are at war with terrorism. But the bombing sorties over Afghanistan had barely begun when the label morphed into the long war, and then the decisive ideological struggle of the 21st century, and the calling of our generation. And now the targeted killing program has been extended to militant groups. See how they change it? It's all under the same guys with no connection to September 11th, 2001, that is, associates of associates. Removing the requirement for any linkage to al-Qaeda gives the government unfettered discretion to assassinate anyone without due process of law. Now remember, for those who have already forgotten it, that Bush Jr., who of course was a little front puppet for the neocons, who had their own agenda, and they wanted a war across the Middle East that suited their country, actually, very well. But anyway, George Bush said that when he was asked in the inquest, why did they attack uh, Iraq? Uh, and uh, was it because of involvement in Al-Qaeda or the 9-11 towers? He says, no, they had nothing to do with that. I just wanted to go in there and remove him. He's a bad man. We're better off having him removed. That was the excuse to go and kill off the leader of your country. And they've done it everywhere else since Libya and elsewhere. But the polls that they showed from, done from Canada on the Americans showed that within a matter of six months, even though that was known, that had nothing to do with the 9-11 bombing, uh, after six months of intense propaganda by the states, they remade it the reality for Americans and polls because they, they said that, oh, they were invading Iraq because Saddam Hussein was behind it. That's how much the propaganda through mainstream had been manipulating the minds of the people. Anyway, it says this phraseology makes it impossible to distinguish a dialectical concept of war and peace. It makes peace synonymous with a state of warfare. Peace is defined in terms of a generational commitment to war, and in turn war is framed as a necessity to keep the peace. In other words, war is peace like Orwell said. This is the lexicon of perpetual war, the vocabulary of a conflict that is never meant to end. You can't end the war, as one official admits to the Washington Post, if you keep adding people to the enemy who are not actually part of the original enemy. Aggression is self-defense, waging full-scale war to prevent war. Operation Iraqi Freedom, represented Phase 2, in a linguistic framework meant to diffuse two diametrically opposite concepts in the public mind, which is preemption and prevention. The purpose of preemptive war is to thwart or neutralize an imminent attack that is instant, overwhelming, and leaving no choice of means and no moment for deliberation without absorbing the first blow. In other words, you think this is maybe going to happen, so we'll kill him first. It may happen. Conversely, preventative war is pure aggression. It is not tied to any notion of imminence and is primarily directed at securing some strategic advantage. Thus the dimension of time is a primary difference between the former and the latter. The Bush doctrine blurred the lines between preventative and preemptive wars. It represented a seismic shift in national security strategy from one dominated by the Cold War doctrines of deterrence and, and containment to one that now enshrines preventative war as a permanent feature of U.S. policy, which they copied from Israel, by the way. That's where that came from. you strike them first because one day they might attack us. And Bush says, if we wait for threats to fully materialize, we will have waited too long, yet the war on terror will not be won on the defensive. We must take the battle to the enemy, disrupt his plans, and confront the worst threats before they emerge. And it says, furthermore, the 2006 U.S. National Security Strategy paper states that, if necessary, however, under long-standing principles of self-defense, we do not rule out the use of force before attacks occur. Even if uncertainty remains as to the time and place of the enemy's attack, in the new Newspeak fashion, and Newspeak from Orwell, of course, you should really read George Orwell, the Queen's Dictionary too. Such a conception of preemptive action inverts the traditional model of self-defense under customary international law by rendering imminence completely irrelevant. In doing so, it strips self-defense of any practical meaning. It conflates preventative war with preemptive war. It packages aggression as self defense, but as cheney 's one percent doctrine later revealed, the threat need not even be likely, let alone imminent for self defense or read aggression to apply, according to this logic, even a one percent chance of an event occurring is sufficient to treat it as a certainty. Can you believe that but that 's true, folks it 's not about an analysis Cheney reported they said it 's about a response. So the the, the analysis is irrelevant. It's about the response to what might be. Put simply, the likelihood of an event occurring is not a necessary prerequisite to to each war. This embeds the supreme international crime of aggressive war in the fabric of national security policy. Aggression is self-defense, Winston Also, freedom of slavery. The Obama administration gave the war on terror a facelift by rebranding it overseas contingency operations. But the sanitizing nomenclature has done little to halt the institutionalization of the apparatus of tyranny, from kill lists to disposition matrices to drone playbooks, to indefinite detentions to persecuting whistleblowers to to preventive domestic surveillance. These developments are strikingly at odds With the post 9 uh, 11 meta-narrative That frames this conflict as a clash Between the forces of freedom and despotism As Bush phrased it It says, Americans are asking Why do they hate us? Now where did they borrow that one? Because actually they borrowed that, f- that term from another country Guess which one it was, do you remember? They hate us So Americans are asking, why do they hate us? They hate what we see right here in this chamber A democratically elected government for those who wouldn't believe that. Their leaders are self appointed, this is they hate our freedoms, our freedom of religion. I don't know if you know about how Christianity is getting whacked in the States with all the new laws that are coming out. Our freedom of speech, that's all getting neutralized because of political correctness. Our freedom to vote and assemble and disagree with each other. From this point, onward-spreading freedom and democracy abroad became the rallying point for a nation, enraptured by its new messianic role, but it soon became apparent that freedom at home cannot coexist with hyper-militarism abroad. And that's always standard in warfare. You lose all your freedoms at home as they're having wars abroad. All works together. And it's his accusation is guilt, killing you for your own safety. What would be more destructive to the cherished freedoms that make America a shining city on the hill than giving a higher-level official the power to kill Americans on U.S. soil without any due process, accountability, or transparency? What could be more Orwellian than asserting such dictatorial authority which has always been the hallmark of totalitarian states in the name of protecting the public safety? The cost of war is not measured, solely in terms of blood and treasure, war also corrodes human morality to a point where even the most inhumane acts become perfectly acceptable. And just look at all your TV stuff that you watch as well, and all these war movies the Pentagon pays for. In fact, summary executions without due process and the right to a fair trial served as one of the justifications for removing Saddam Hussein's regime. Not only does the recent Department of Justice white papers resoundingly affirm this power grab, it also destroys the foundation of Anglo-American jurisprudence by nullifying the principle of innocent until proving guilty. It eviscerates the Fifth Amendment, which prohibits any deprivation of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. It obliterates the protections afforded by the Sixth Amendment, including the right to a speedy and public trial. By asserting that government allegations alone, based on secret evidence, are sufficient to establish guilt, accusation is guilt, Winston, as Glenn Greenwald cogently observes. He says, but of course, when this memo refers to a senior operational leader of Al Qaeda, what it actually means is this: someone whom the president, in total secrecy and with no due process, has accused of being that. Indeed, the memo itself makes this clear, as it boldly states. That presidential assassinations are justified when an informed high-level official of the U.S. government has determined that the targeted individual poses an imminent threat of violent attack against the U.S. This is a crucial point. The memo isn't justifying the due process of free execution of senior al-Qaeda leaders who pose an imminent threat to the U.S. It's justifying the due process free execution of people secretly accused by the president and his underlings with no due process of being met. Says it really do apologies for the normalization of extrajudicial murder, realize that this represents a permanent erosion of core liberties and everlasting debasement of the Bill of Rights. We know that no one ever seizes power with the intention of relinquishing it, Orwell said. Power is not a means, it's an end. One does not establish a dictatorship in order to safeguard a revolution, one makes a revolution in order to establish the dictatorship. The object of persecution is persecution. The object of torture is torture. The object of power is power. Secret assassinations are here to stay, says. And it goes on to the great shift inward from enemy combatants to homegrown terrorists. Awfully important article. Under international law, captured enemy soldiers are considered prisoners of war and thus shielded by the Geneva Conventions and the Juscojins. Prohibition against torture. Furthermore, terrorism was traditionally treated as a federal criminal offence before 9-11. Accordingly, those accused of terrorism could still invoke the protections of the Bill of Rights, including the right to counsel, right to jury, trial, right to confront one's accusers, and the right against self-incrimination and conviction based on guilt, proven beyond reasonable doubt. As in the 2002 Padilla case demonstrated, however, the enemy combatant doctrine creates a category of detainees that are neither POWs nor terrorists. As such, they are beyond the reach of both the Bill of Rights and Geneva Conventions. This undefined label essentially circumvents the safeguards of the legal system and allows the state to to treat the accused like a medieval king would a serf. It sets the groundwork for a parallel gulag system in the United States operating on the model of indefinite detention without charge or trial, no access to a lawyer, and confessions obtained through torture. And then came Attorney General Holder's recent premonition about a new threat called the Homegrown Terrorist. Speaking to the ABC News, Holder's statement signals a decisive shift in the script governing the ongoing campaign. It says it's a very serious thing. I think what it says is the scope, uh, our scope to, uh, has to be broadened. We can't think it's just a bunch of people in caves in some part of the world. We have to be concerned about the homeland to the same extent that we are worried about the threat coming from overseas. And I said that years ago, uh, the distinctions between the war over there and the war at home were completely blurred and all one. eventually. The implications of this statement are staggering, for it turns the United States into the new battlefield. Systems of tyranny perfected abroad are always turned inward. In only to a decade for the same tactics of warfare that were previously restricted to foreign countries to now be applied domestically. And as his response to Senator Rand Paul's question of whether a President can authorize drone strikes in U.S. Uh, citizens on domestic soil, Holder revealing the States that it's possible to imagine an extraordinary circumstance in which it would be necessary and appropriate under the Constitution and applicable law of the United States for the President to authorize the military to use lethal force within the territory of the United States. Even in the Posse Comitatus Act of 1878 generally prohibits military involvement in domestic law enforcement. But what did you see? at Boston, folks. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. We're back cutting through the matrix. And to tie in with the last article, too, where I always said years ago, the great eating machine, meaning the wars across there, they're all involved and will come back home and be eating you all up too. Because massive business, mass, massive control, and the control freaks want that to happen. That's always happens in warfare. And it says, this article is about, in the wake of the Boston bombings, the president of the largest unmanned aerial systems, UAS organization, wasted no time in pushing for drones, as some predicted uh, uh, those, uh, some, predicted those in the industry would. Michael Toscano, president of the Association for Unmanned Vehicle Systems International, said UASs would have provided critical situation awareness for the first responders and law enforcement in Boston. In other words, they're cashing in on it to get it ran through. Because big, big bucks are going to get, of course, as you all get surveyed uh, all the time. And that's obvious. You're under. Your old systems gone, your freedom gone. Bloomberg says interpretation of constitution will have to change after the Boston bombing. The King Bloomberg up there. So in the wake of the Boston Martin bombings, Bloomberg said, Monday, the country's interpretation of the Constitution will have to change. The people who are worried about privacy have a legitimate worry, Mr. Bloomberg said during a press conference in Midtown. But we live in a complex world that's right out of Bernays, too. Well, they teach the public you live in a too complex a world now with to change everything, less rights and so on. Here you are. A complex world where you're going to have to, uh, to have a level of security greater than you did back in the olden days, if you will. And our laws and our interpretation of the Constitution, I think, will have to change. Now, when you're into a totalitarian time with totalitarian regimes as new normals, you have to understand that all, they eradicate the past from the schooling because they don't want you to know in the past how good it was. You see, the time that they're telling you now is the safest and the best there ever was. So you're not supposed to know how good it was before. Mr. Bloomberg, who has come under fire from the, the NYPD's monitoring of Muslim communities under aggressive attacks or tactics, said that the rest of the country needs to learn from the attacks. We live in a very dangerous world. We know there are people who want to take away our freedoms. Again, that's straight from Bush's speech. Remember, they hate us and all that stuff. New Yorkers probably know that as much, if not more than anyone else, after the terrible tragedy of 9-11, said. We have to understand that in the world's going forward. We're going to have more cameras and that kind of stuff. That's good in some sense, but it's different from what we're used to, You said. He pointed to the gun debate and noted the courts have allowed for increasingly stringent regulations in response to ever more powerful weapons. So, again, in the war abroad with the the people abroad comes home to you, just like the same thing happens here, so they, they, they disarm you at home as well, as they bring you into a global society of utter control. Clearly, the Supreme Court has recognized that you have to have different interpretations of the Second Amendment and what it applies to unreasonable gun laws. You are going to have to live with reasonable levels of security, said pointing to the use of magnetometers to catch weapons in city schools. It really says something bad about us that what we have to, we have to do, it. but our obligation, first and foremost, is to keep the people safe. The oldest story that even the Caesar has used, Could to keep the citizens safe, you know. He uses the children safe in the schools. First and foremost, to keep you safe if you're going to a sporting event. First and foremost, to keep you safe if you walk down the streets or go into our parks, he said. We cannot let like, the terrorists, it's just, again, that vague thing, the terrorists, war on terror again, here you have that vague thing, put us in a situation where we can't do those things. And the, way, the ways to do that is to provide what we think is an appropriate level of protection. So he goes in about losing more more freedoms. So they get everything that they want. It's all planned that way, folks. There's another country across the world there too, celebrating what's happening in America. Because they claim they've been under this for years. And it's only right that America, which they have a lot of control over, go through the same. From Hamish myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, your gods, go with you.